there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio. It's a show about money. Wolfgang Klein, your host. It is a delight and an honor to be here this Saturday. Get yourself a cup of joe and let's get going. Of course, Jack is here for the cause. Uh, I'm going to rant about compounding, um, the importance of compounding. I'm going to talk about Canada Pension Plan. Uh, we're going to talk about why you, the listener, are so bad. You're so bad at compounding. Uh, Amos Nodler. Uh, with UWO, and I'm marking people, take your nice name and turn it into an acronym, which means the University of Western Ontario, Canada. Eh? UWOC. You ever think about that one? It's now Western University. Okay. Talk to the marketing people. It's now just Western. But you are with the Ivy program. The Ivy Business School. That's correct. The Richard Ivy uh, School of Business. It's a delight to have you back it's a pleasure. Uh, in the studio, Amos. Um, Jack was very excited to bring you on. Uh, <clears throat> I stumbled across a piece called The Psychology of Money. It's a 20-page piece. It's by collaborativefund.com and www.collaborativefund.com. The Psychology of Money. I urge you to find this uh, piece and read it. It's absolutely brilliant. But uh, we sent it off to the Behavioral Finance Department at uh, Western Ontario, Ivy League. Uh, it landed on the desk of Amos, as it should. Uh, just to talk about human beings and compounding. But uh, Amos, before we get into it, uh, I want to talk to you about, first of all, the Canada Pension Plan. Uh, and I want you to share this with your students. Uh, a pension plan, according to Investopedia, is a pool of money put aside for your future retirement. The Canada Pension Plan was set up in 1966, and basically day one, workers began paying for retirees. That is not a pension plan. That is a tax. Uh, yep, they called it a pension plan. But let me give you the math. Uh, now, the math is going to change, but the net result will be, I believe, roughly the same. Right here, right now, if you've been putting in the maximum contribution to CPP, uh, which currently is $2,700 for Amos and for our listeners, and $2,700 then matched by your employer if you make $55,000 or more. Uh, so basically, $5,500 goes into CPP, Amos, each and every year. Uh, do that until age 65. That's 40 years. Uh, to, uh, uh, Basically, $5,400 times 40 years works out to about $250,000. So $250,000 almost went into the Canada Pension Plan. Now you hit 65 and you begin to take money out. The maximum they will give you is $14,000. It takes 18 years almost just to get your money back on CPP. No one is talking about this. The, the, the withdrawal rate at that period of time will be... Uh, Index to inflation. So it'll be more than that. So the money that I put in today will be more than today's beneficiaries can take out of it, but it's still not good math. I'm sure you're going to go through the details the, the, here. We'll it's think. awful math, Jack. All right. So <laughs> uh, in my, again, we, we what Jack is referring to is yeah, the, the government realized that this, this plan, this pension plan actually has to start to somehow resemble a proper pension plan almost, whereby it has to, the pool of money must be for the current and future retirees, not the previous retirees. And as such, they're going to up the money you put in and we're able to take out. So the fourteen grand may get increased to about $18,000. It's still bad math. I say that almost because in a balanced portfolio, you're a professor of finance. What would you suggest a long-term rate of return would be for a balanced portfolio? 
a long-term rate of return? Well, it depends. Uh, we're, we're talking 40 years right now because that's yeah, the time period years. that we're looking at. Well, during that time, you can expect a number of crashes. You can expect yep. peaks. You can expect bubbles. Yeah. That's that's like a long lifetime of, of returns. Years. No, it's a half a it's a half a lifetime. I mean, essentially, like a working lifetime. by that. Yeah, it's a working lifetime. Um, if if you made a five percent assumption, though, you're not making an aggressive assumption, even at yeah, there's low a range. Okay, yeah. okay. There's a range of like, I mean, I'd say five is like a low end, but I mean, you expect sure, over right. long term. I'm talking, yeah. about, especially you know, Canadian versus U.S. I'm more familiar with U.S. I'm talking about a balanced returns, portfolio. The number I almost we're we're ducking out of six the five. Yeah, this is six, five, seven. Ask Warren Buffett; he would say seven, give or take. I, we we ran the numbers at five percent. All right, it's um, conservative. I like it. We we ran the numbers at five percent. You're fifty five hundred dollars for forty years, compounding at five percent at age of retirement would be just under seven hundred grand. If you then took out what CPP allows you to take out of fourteen thousand dollars by age eighty two, almost you would still have one point six million dollars. <laughs> CPP, my good friend, when you pass away, you know what the death benefit is? It's not 1.6 milski. It's $2,500. Mm-hmm. Well, any- this is what the students need to learn. Yeah, well- you, you're teaching this stuff, I hope, almost. <laughs> we definitely discuss pensions. I mean, but my- I, I, I wanted to interject. Cause you're, yeah. this, I'm going to let you run with something here. All right. So here's the deal. The, in the psychology of money, um, and, and another article Jack and I have, have, have read, basically, we, you and I, the listener, are terrible at saving money. We basically want it all, and we want to spend it all. And as such, the government realizes that, and the government is basically trying to keep us from ourselves and basically is putting this money aside for us. But the, the math is telling me, you know what the math is saying? You're basically better off to put the money under your mattress. Because if I die at age 80, I've been shorted, let alone compound. I've gotten zero rate of return, plus I haven't got my money back. So talk about consumers, talk about compounding, because compounding is what Jack and I are all about. Compounding kicks in, my good friend, after multiple decades of saving and leaving it alone. And when I say multiple decades, to get your first million can take 30 years, your second million can take seven, your third million can take four and a half years. Because, because the CPP is a pay-as-you-go system, the government is actually taking away that opportunity. And there's a huge opportunity cost for oh. all Canadians, right? Teachers pension, they put the money in, Right, the teachers have that pool of money; they get to take it out. They put in more than we do for CPP, no doubt, but they're also getting seventy percent of income replacement. With here, with the uh, with CPP, I think we're getting thirty on thirty percent replacement on fifty five thousand dollars, which is, yeah, that's not pretty good. Uh, any entity that takes on what looks like a defined contribution versus defined benefits plan—I mean, there's that was that huge split happening, you know, probably a few decades ago, where people had essential guaranteed income in retirement, which was their defined benefits, now defined contribution. CPP is doing what it can to ensure it doesn't end up in the same insolvency situation of other entities have uh, by carrying this massive balance sheet. So it's a conservative approach, and it, by these numbers, it does not benefit individuals, or the system as a whole will survive and can weather some serious drawdowns. And as the, the math that I'm trusting you put out, does not benefit individuals, but the system will be more more um, robust. Well, look, down as, as, as Jack puts it, if, if uh, when it was created in 1966, if employees, workers did not pay for retirees, the retirees would basically have been penniless and as such, the state would have had to step up and pay for them anyways. Yeah, they, they set it up as a pay-as-you-go system. When they set it up that way initially, it wasn't the correct way to set it up, but the way they set it up, it allowed them to immediately start paying these benefits. Yeah, mm-hmm. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio. We have a professor of behavioral finance from the Ivy School of Business at Western. Uh, Amos Nadler is his name, a frequent guest. Uh, almost had a baby. Almost just got back from Israel. We're going to learn a little about uh, life as a dad. And we're going to give him the 
most powerful investment advice he has ever heard of. These, these profs are smart. We're just going to help them take up their games when we go back to school. They are going to look so smart. Uh, right here on Hi-Fi Radio. More of it right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, the host of the show. It is a show about money, uh, small business, public, private. It's all about you and how we can help you. Look, Amos Nadler's in studio. Uh, Amos is a professor of uh, finance, uh, behavioral finance, which is actually a brilliant, brilliant new science. Uh, It's all about us and how we deal with money. And we as human beings are terrible. We really are. We're awful with money, and therefore we need help. And Jack and I are here to help you, and we want to bring in great guests uh, to help us help ourselves. Uh, again, I encourage you to look for the article, the psychologyofmoneycollaborativefund.com. Um, Amos. Yes, good morning. Good morning. Welcome back to the show. Great to be here. Um, so Jack and I are going to give you an idea. You just had a baby? I did. Uh, boy or girl? It's a girl. And her name? Jordana. Jordana. Very nice. Thank you. May she live long and prosper. Do you think the next 100 years, I'm, I'm going to play with you a little bit here, I'm mm-hmm. really expect, no one knows, but do you think the next 100 investing years or 70 investing years are going to be similar to what we've witnessed in the past 70 to 100 years? In terms of raw returns? Yeah. I think that volatility is going to change. I think that we're going to have different industries that rise and fall. Yep. But I think that there will be a certain equilibrium that maintains over that long period that may resemble this one. Yeah. I think that lots of things will be different. We don't have time Correct. to go all those details. No, they, they will be. But in, in the very long term, but the intermediating stuff is what colors our lives, which will yeah. be crashes and all sorts all right. of yeah, interesting things. But over the long term, probably maintains something resembling a long-term yeah. average. Yes. Let me ask this question almost. I'm playing with you here. But uh, do you think small companies will grow and therefore compound your wealth at a quicker rate than large companies? Well, there is a, a small cap. You know, If you look at historical data, there's small caps that outperform large caps just because they're in do you, so early you think, phase. Do you think they'll continue to do that? Uh, if you invest in an, in an index that averages, uh, possibly. That's yeah. an empirical question. And so, historically, so my, that's been true. So Jack, um, Jack, got me a Christ, Jack got me a Christmas present from one of our wholesalers. Oh, Fidel- very nice, CJ. Fidelity. Yeah, it's, it's an index chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love index charts. They, they, they just... Um, Chock full of data on one bulletin board. It's a big board. It's a Bristol board that I have in my office. Uh, it's huge. It's about three feet wide, two feet uh, deep, and yeah. uh, lots of data. L- lots it. of visuals. It's, it's really, uh, it really puts things in perspective for, for yeah, the Yeah, like, for example, mm-hmm. the 87 crash, the financial crises. It highlights when you had recessions. A lot of stuff on one piece of paper, an index chart. Mm-hmm. Um, I apologize. Your daughter's name? Jordana. Jordana. Yep. What I want you to do, can you, can you take $100 worth of my investment advice for free? Mm, can wow. I give you some advice for free? But you have to take it and do something with it. Will you do it? It's 100 bucks. Wow. All right, let's go, Wolf. You're going you're gonna to take my advice and, and, and follow suit? All right, I trust you. Okay. Because if you in 19, if Jordana was born in 1950 and, 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 and almost purchased the U.S. small cap index with $100, by the time Alma, your daughter would have been 68 years old, that $100 grew to 800000 U.S. dollars. 800 grand. So again, let's go back now to CPP. Let's go back now to us as savers. I'm going to beg the audience right now that if you don't have a savings plan, start a savings plan. I'm going to further beg the audience that if you're 25, this is your magic moment to begin. I'm going to say to you, audience, that $100 a month, come on, 
Anyone can save a hundred. Jack, do you not believe everyone can save a hundred dollars a month? Brittany, can you save a hundred bucks a month? Absolutely. Brittany can save a hundred bucks a month. But I mean, save. I mean, not touch for sixty-eight years. Yeah, I could do it. Sixty-five years. I'll take three off for you. Do not touch it for sixty-five years. A hundred dollars a month, and you buy the S and P five hundred index. You buy a mutual fund, a quality equity mutual fund. Hundred bucks, forty years, which is twelve hundred bucks a year, equates into four hundred forty thousand dollars. Nominally, yes. The CPP you're putting in twenty seven hundred bucks of your own money. Mm-hmm. You're not getting that dough out. Yeah. But we have to begin doing it ourselves. How can you again help people tolerate the down the, the downdrafts, tolerate not getting shaken out, tolerate the temptation to purchase a new? I'm, I'm looking at cars. We just talk about cars. Right? You buy, you drive a used car. I drive a used car. A new BMW lease mm-hmm. is just under a thousand dollars a month. I can afford that. I, I could certainly afford to lease a new BMW for a thousand bucks a month. But should you? No, absolutely not. Almost. If I invested that thousand dollars a month for forty years, it would be. Is it? What's the math, Jack? Is it? Is it four? It's four it, and a half million dollars. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's a huge opportunity. It, so you're looking at a car that costs. What's the the value of the car in the showroom right now? The value of that car in the yeah. showroom is about seventy thousand dollars with taxes, free mm-hmm. PDI, and off. But the but the opportunity cost that you're talking about if is I drive millions that car, of dollars. Four million dollars. Yeah, the, but the problem is that people like things that are immediate. They like, especially the status symbol that goes along with driving a nice fancy car like that nice you know upper end BMW. It is tangible and it, and it gives you social and immediate functional benefits. You look you know like a wealthy person. You get the, the status benefits. The saving of it is invisible and it's, it has no social currency to it. And so we are human We are human beings. We're part of a social hierarchy. We are extremely social animals. And we are automatically drawn to purchasing stuff to make us look high status because that's important. It has reproductive benefits, has social benefits, and tons of other things. Those All those things are working against our financial futures. And to understand that is a huge insight because you have to go against your very nature and not spend the money. Go against your nature. Ooh, that is difficult. Uh, almost, we got to pay some bills around here. Almost Nadler, uh, professor for the Ivy League School at Western. Uh, Treat Tavian Studio. Uh, more with Amos right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio. Hope your day's going well. I am Wolfgang Klein, your host. Again, the show about money. Uh, Jack Hartle here for the cause. It's great to have Jack with me each and every Saturday. Uh, Amos Nadler, a professor at uh, Western in the Ivy League program. I will say Ivy League. Uh, it's the Ivy, Ivy School. Business School. I- Ivy Business you School. Thank you very kindly. Almost a treat to have you in uh, in studio. Good morning. Uh, Good to be here. Thank you. I'm on a uh, on a rant. I'm on a mission. Uh, I'm on a mission to 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 debunk uh, CPP. I'm sorry to say it is not a good deal. Uh, and I don't think it's going to change uh, to any great degree. But I think as such, I have to remind you, the listener, those listening to uh, Global News Radio 640 here in Toronto, uh, pay attention. You have to do this stuff yourself. You have to begin a savings program. And you must think long term. And, and when you think long term, you have to take advantage of compounding. Take advantage of time. You have it in front of you. Most investors do. You talk about the 25-year-old. So you want to make sure that over time, you invest wisely. And you invest regularly. I think what we need to do is we need to talk about time, Jack, because time really is not about five years and 10 years. No, it's about 
big chunks of time because that's when the market smooths out its returns. It's a mean reverting um, phenomena, the market. It becomes overpurchased, it becomes oversold, it becomes expensive, it becomes cheap, but the averages over decades are bang on accurate. Um, again, if you're able to save $1,000 a month, my good friends, $1,000 a month, and if you're 25 years old, it's not undoable, I believe. You know, if you make 60 grand and you're educated, your first job you make 60, you still live with mom and dad, you can save $12,000 a year. Don't tell me you can't. Uh, as you know, you, you turn into a situation like almost where uh, Bambina comes along the way, things change, right? They do change. They do change. You can, but do you want to do you want to save that money because there are immediate pressures that pull you away from the smart financial thing. So Jack, you had an that's example. An, that's, yeah. that's that status, makes no sense. Yeah. That's the status symbol and that's the growing industry that I've just recently found out about and that's where people go actually to a tarmac, rent a private jet for 10 minutes. Get an Instagram and show people how their status or their wealth, uh, I don't know what, what they're showing there, but it's, I'm going to call it not Instagram, it's Insta scam because I don't know what they're <laughs> up to. You know, I, I can speak optimistically, but you know something I've learned and I'm learning uh, that no one's going to listen to me. Hmm. No one's going to listen to me because point number seven in this report is the seduction of pessimism in a world where optimism is the most reasonable stance. And it's been proven time and time again. I'm an ad man. And um, they, I, I was taught years ago that negative headlines sell more newspapers than positive. Yeah, that makes sense. Plain and simple. So here's what I'm going to do to get Canadians to save more money. I'm going to scare you. I'm going to say, do you want to eat cat food? Do you want to live on the street? There is no one there who's going to take care of you. And guess what? Life expectancy almost in 1960 was 72. Today, it is 82. So we are living longer. Perhaps we are, life expectancy will become 92 at some point in the next 50 years. I don't know. You need a big pool of money. You must start saving now and compound your money. This is where the next point we want to talk about. Compounding money is an exponential phenomena. And yet we are a linear thinking people. Hard to describe that, but when you save a dollar and then another dollar and another dollar, it's not one plus two plus three, or one plus one is two. It's one plus one is 2.1. And then one plus one plus one is 3.2 and it slowly grows. But to get compound magic to kick in guys, you need 30 years. That's when it begins to occur. Again, if you say, what was it? Uh, uh, to get to a million dollars, Jack, I think it was a thousand bucks a year. Yeah. $12,000 a year, my good friends at 9% will turn into a million dollars in 26 years. A thousand dollars a month for 26 years becomes a million. Right. But if you're trying to hit hey, your, no, no, but your I'll, younger I'll people, here's right. where, but here's where the inflection point kicks in. If, if you can leave that million alone for only seven more years, it's 2 million. If you leave it alone for only four more years, it's three million. People are not getting to the point of inflection to benefit from compounding. That's right, because there's the immediacy. I mean, if, if you're trying to focus on 25-year-olds, I mean, I don't know how many 25-year-olds are listening at the moment, but the things that drive you at 25 are different from the things that are interesting to you when you're 35, 45, Fear, 65. My good friend. So the things you. are like nice cars, getting selfies on planes, going out drinking, buying yep. lattes, you know, can of goose every, every winter, whatever it is. And the, the, the thing that to connect this abstract idea of exponential growth with the reality of our day to day is something that's really not fun or sexy. And to, to, for example, this is a trick. Want to hear my trick? Yeah. All right. My trick is I convert an object that I want, let's say upgrade to a new phone or a new jacket or the fancy BMW. And I, instead of thinking of the, the value of it, I think of the future value. So for example, a $5 latte at 6% in 10 years, it's like $9. 
And I think about, well, I could just not have the latte. I'd love that $9 in the future. And it's something that I've had to train into myself. And so, you know, harp, harping on people for not being right here, here, look, I, is I, I not going to help. You have to understand that people need to be trained and people okay, need to commit to change. Okay, so here, and here's the change that they need to do. I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is banter. It's talk radio. Mm-hmm. is what we do here. And it's a great day for talk radio, isn't it, Jack? It is. Yeah. And, Always. And, and, can, I, can I have the mnemonic? Ding. Uh, <laughs> indeed. Um, they must do the following. Because what people do almost, do, do they do they spend and then save or do they save and then spend? And what they need to do you is they, they need, save. They spend. And save what's left. They if, need to do the opposite. Or they go into debt. Or, yeah, or they go into debt. Statistically, they go but, into but debt. What, but they, what, what, what they saying need is to do, they need to save first and spend what's left. And, and that's exactly what I'm almost talking about. You need to train yourself. We need to train our clients. You need to train the listener right. to think. You, they're thinking first level thought. You want to think second level. What am I? What's this going to cost me down the road? What's the opportunity cost of not investing? Yeah, you need it, to train and educate yourself. Yeah, living 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 on the streets, being cold, being hungry, uh, not being able to afford yourself those things that you need. I'm trying to scare you people because when I speak optimistically, it's not going to work. If I see I can help you become get three million. Okay, I'm going to give you an idea. I'm going to give the listeners something right now. Almost this this is cool in itself. Let's just say that individual does save twelve thousand dollars a year and they make their annual RRSP. Well, what's the line? that people use it in an RSP. I'm going to make a contribution. Donation. Donation. Yeah, <laughs> I love that when people say they're making a donation to RSP. No, you're making a contribution into your savings plan. Um, 12 grand a year. If they do it at the end of the year, February deadline, by age, they started age, uh, excuse me, age 25, and by age 65, they will have, excuse me, uh, 25, 65, yeah, 40 years, 12 grand a year, how much does that turn out to my good friends? At 9% return is an aggressive return, mm-hmm. but it's not a stupid return. Mm-hmm. The long-term return of the S&P 500 has been 12% compound. The long-term return of the TSX has been 9%. So mm-hmm. I'm saying nine. It's, it's an aggressive number. We'll stick with it. Uh, four million bucks. 12 mm-hmm. grand a year, 40 years, four million bucks. But the same amount of dollars just contributed on a monthly basis, $1,000 a month, increases your net worth almost by $700,000. Listeners, I've given you a $700,000 idea. Do not give your advisor, do not contribute to your RSP at the end of the year. Do it monthly. That change is easy. It does not hurt you one iota. But if you do that over 40 years at 9%, you got $700,000 more. Why are you listening to Hi-Fi Radio? For that very reason. You're learning how to make money out of thin air. More of it right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio, Wolfgang Klein, your host. We are here to help you. Uh, you know something, you, you, you can have too little, you really cannot have too much of what we're here talking about, and that is money. Um, it doesn't need to be a bad thing. Money is a good thing. You can do good things with money. You can help your children. Uh, you, you can not be, you not have to rely on other people, i.e. government. Um, yeah, it's a good thing. But we get in the way of ourselves every now and then. Uh, I got a pyramid here, Amos. Amos Nadler, professor from uh, Western University Ivy uh, Program of Business, Ivy School of Business. Um, point number 17 in the psychology of money, a preference for skills in a field where skills don't matter if they aren't matched with the right behavior. Uh, in other words, we always get in the way of ourselves in this game. Uh, pyramid, at the bottom of the period, pyramid is investor behavior. At the top is taxes. 
security selection, fees, and asset allocation. So mm-hmm. most important at the bottom is investor behavior, followed by asset mix, followed by fees, followed by security selection, followed by taxes. And, and, and you have to master the bottom before you move up to the th- top. Th- that is the point. Yeah. Pe- people who are focusing on the top, uh, i.e. security selection, and you know which pot stock to buy and which bank to buy. and No, 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 no. It, it's about understanding I believe almost. And this is where I think you, I really want you to help the audience. Yeah, absolutely. How can you help the audience compound money? How can you help them buy into the process? I go back to the S&P small cap index in 68 years has compounded at 14%. The S&P 500 index compounded at 12% over a 68 years period. Yeah, we don't have a time machine that we can go back. All we have is right now. And at the base of that foundation is investor behavior. If you moved up to say asset allocation, you pick the right stocks. What I've spoken to mutual fund managers say, we have a fund that outperforms whatever the benchmark is, but the people who own it trade it in and out so, sorry, sorry, at the but, worst possible times. No, but that's up here. Security no, side. Either way, either you choose professor. the specific securities or you allocate. Either way, either way. But asset allocation is more important than security selection. Saying that when this. if you select the correct quote unquote security, if your investor behavior of oh. of is bad, you right. will sell it and buy it at the wrong time. So just hanging on to the correct security over a long period of time. I'm agreeing with you. But if you have not mastered the foundation, which is your own behavior, it will destroy, it will actually erode your own returns. And so I'm agree that the foundation is your own behavior. Prior to being able to, a- to allocate any assets at all, you have to be able to save money, which is the, along the theme what we're talking about, of, of whatever flow you have, segment a portion of that into savings prior to prior to spending. Have a ratio. It's simple, simple stuff. I don't know that fear works. I think the, the idea that we have the opportunity to do something great in this lifetime can inspire us. I think inspiration works a bit better. I could do better than my parents. I don't have to go get a PhD from Harvard. I can do with my own job. I can put money away in smart vehicles and master myself, master my own behavior, allow learn about compounding, learn about uh, fees are also an important part of that, but just set it and forget it and don't let your emotion destroy your, your returns. See, again, my, my table here that, I, that I've created, uh, compounding $1,000 a month, Jack, uh, $1,000 a month for decades, i.e. for 40 years, what's the end result? It is a linear graph, and the real world is not linear. It, it's bumpy. It's not exponential. It's not linear. It's none of the above. It is volatile. It's erratic. Over time, mean reverting. Um, the point I want to make is you're 25. You don't have a penny. You get your first paycheck. Uh, let's just say it's $4,000, and you manage to put 1000 bucks away, and you keep doing that month to month to month. And after a couple of years, you believe it or not, after three, four years, you got yourself fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. And after 10 years, you might have a couple hundred thousand dollars. Then all of a sudden, the market falls 30%. And all of a sudden, your $100,000 turns back to seventy. What's going through your mind? Do you keep the process going, which is what you should do, or do you jump ship and say this it's Doesn't normal work. to panic. I mean, the financial system is, uh, the way that we emotionally respond to it is like a physical space. Like now the space is dan- dangerous, I must exit that space. But the thing that's difficult is that the way we're biologically put together is incommensurate with the financial system that we're in, which includes this idea that we're not good at compounding exponentially. The idea that we should exit a dang- dangerous situation versus staying in it. Amiglio. And the list, list Amiglio, goes on. Status. We like status. We like to buy things now to have them to look cool, to be to be at the top of the heap. There are social benefits to it, but it erodes our wealth. So all the things that we are that are essentially innate to us are not good for a long-term financial future. And it takes practice, and there's not just one time, but a commitment to long-term growth and to inhibiting these impulses are what's going to help you be successful in the long term, it, it, right along the line of what you're saying. We, to get we've, these numbers. we've had lots of people tell us the exact same thing. You know, Things look bad right now. They're volatile at the end of last year. We have people looking to exit the market and say, you know what, I'm going to come back when the market looks, you know, more clear, right? Clear, clearer path. 
The problem is with that is when that is the case, valuations have gone up. Maybe they sell it when the market's trading at 13 times earnings and come back when it's 16 times earnings. So they're just working against themselves and it's to their long-term detriment. The I, I'm going to go back to, um, I don't believe as, a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as an individual novice investor, you can physically do this yourself. Go online to Questrade. I don't believe you can do it. Go online to Questrade and every month make your purchases and, and, and sales and transactions uh, and continue along the process unless it's fully automated. And I mean fully automated and you can truly close your eyes. Again, as you're starting to compound money, let's just say you get to that million dollar mark and then you get the $2 million mark mm. and then bang, the market craps down 50% and you're back down to a million. You just lost a million dollars. How would do you think an investor feel and what would they do? Let's just say they're no longer 25. Now they are 55. Mm -hmm. They ran up to two, 2 million, back down to a million. What's going through their mind? Can they continue along the program that mm -hmm. has been put forth to them? That's the, the big question. I can say on their own, good luck with good guidance and counsel, i.e. advisor, perhaps a better probability. Of yeah, absolutely. Gone. I mean, to choose a specific security over the long term, that, so statistically, the number of retail traders that own a Quest Trade or whatever account, approximately 90% of them lose money. And eventually they attrite from the system because they've lost so much money, they don't want to play the casino anymore. No. And they don't. Th these people have jobs that are not finance jobs. Right. And to think of a person that can pick a winning stock over the long term, that's statistically very, very unlikely. I mean, would you go in, into a fight with someone you don't know who you're fighting and, against? And, and don't forget, what I'm talking about, my whole talk today has not even been, been about picking stocks. It's been just about the averages. Just being the average. Can you stick to the averages mm -hmm. and, 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 and execute a proper investment plan? And time and time again, my guess is you can't do it. Uh, almost, we have to hoppity hop. All right. Uh, Welcome back from your trip to Israel. I'm hey. sure you have a good chance for that. Uh, next congratulations time. on your daughter. Thank uh, you. I'm delighted. Uh, next time you're back on air, I want to be promised that you made the $100 commitment to the S&P Small Cap Index and that you're going to say to your daughter, this is a 68-year time capsule. Open it up then and what the number is going to be. I think you'd be brilliantly surprised. I did a fantastic, fantastic uh, litmus test that we're going to put you. Let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, well, it's all up to you. Can you do it? That's Absolutely. The almost. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. I really appreciate hey, my it. My pleasure. Well, it is National Fraud Prevention Month, and as such, we brought in David Milosevic, partner with Milosevic Fisk. He is a lawyer uh, and helping uncover and sleuth all you fraudsters out there. Uh, may he be at your back real soon. Uh, right here on Hi-Fi Radio. Stay tuned. It's going to be great. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Life would be back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio, a show about money. Uh, we're helping you protect your money, grow your money. And when I say protect, there's a lot of different things you must protect your money from. Taxes, of course, is your biggest expense. Never forget that. Um, and, 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 you know, we also want to protect you from misbeliefs, I shall say. And uh, Jack and I have been sending some, some, shedding some light on uh, the Canada Pension Plan. And, uh, you know, it ain't that good of a deal, believe it or not. you got to start doing it yourself. But uh, equally important, it is National Fraud Prevention Month uh, in Canada. And so Jack and I have lined up a few uh, fraud preventers, <laughs> lawyers in other words, uh, to join us on the show. Uh, delighted to have uh, David uh, Milosevic, partner with Milosevic Fisk, uh, LLP, uh, here in Toronto. Uh, David, thank you very much for joining us on the show. Thanks, Wolf. Thanks for having me. So um, I've come across two, perhaps three clients of ours 
who were defrauded uh, of monies uh, through various financial schemes. Uh, one was uh, investing their money with a day trader. Uh, I don't know what the individual did with their money, but basically falsified documents, uh, ran the account down to zero, and kept lying to the few people that were part of this little fund. Uh, and my, my, my client ended up losing about, I don't know, eighty or $100,000. And we had another client uh, out of market, but uh, caught us on the radio and joined us. And same thing, we're very skeptical uh, of, of anyone in finance um, and were defrauded out of how much, Jack? Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. A yeah. lot of money, uh, just in bad, bad schemes. So, in, in both cases, they came to us after they were defrauded from whatever scheme it was. I'm, I'm surprised they trusted anyone, I, yes, even after the fact. Fortunately, they did, and fortunately, Jack and I have been doing very, very good work for them. Uh, but uh, first of all, let's start with, how can you help the audience prevent themselves from getting into a fraudulent situation? Like I have a few ideas, i.e. deal with... IROC-membered uh, brokerage firms to begin with. Uh, but please, share, share with it. What can the audience do to protect themselves, please? You're right, Wolf. Uh, deal with registered uh, brokers. But as Jack uh, made the point, uh, the, this person came to you after. And if the person comes to you after, as a fraud litigator, I get approached all the time by people who've lost money. What can I do? If it's after the fact, it becomes pretty tough. Uh, usually with these fraudsters, it's not their first time. They're sophisticated. They've, they've got plans. That money is gone. So in, um, I would say, 90% of cases, finding the funds after the fact, very difficult huh. and very expensive. So that's it exactly, Wolf. You ask yourself, what can you do beforehand to avoid being in that position? And what I tell clients, just do the basics, the five W's, who, what, when, where, why. Go through it. First question is the who, and it's what you said, Wolf. Is this person registered? Who is this person? That's the first thing to check. You can pick up the phone. You can call the Ontario Securities Commission. They'll tell you who's registered. Check that. Now, a lot of people are raising investments privately through exemptions to the prospectus and registration requirements that are required from the OSC. So they're raising funds privately. So how do you check on these people? The kind of scary thing as a fraud litigator that I see all the time is the people who are perpetrating the frauds are usually someone that you really trust. They're called affinity frauds. And so they'll take place in church groups very commonly, uh, cult cultural organizations. Somebody who's in a position of trust will exploit that position of trust to raise funds. So ask yourself, if this person is asking you for funds, are they potentially playing upon a relationship in order to get these funds? That should actually send up a red flag. It's disappointing, but it's overwhelmingly true. So the first W, who is it? Isn't that interesting? Next W? And, and the other thing, too, for IROC-registered uh, advisors, you can actually go to the IROC website. You can see what their credentials are and see if they have any, uh, Charge any, any charges yep. or cases against them. Exactly right. Uh, second W is uh, what? And so what are they selling you? And this is, you know, the old adages, they hold true. So if it's too good to be true, it is. So if they're selling you something, if you hear the word guaranteed and there's anything more than the rate you would get on a guaranteed investment certificate, a couple of percent, if you hear the word guaranteed and a double-digit return, run. Yeah. There really is no such thing as a guaranteed double-digit return. Uh, so what are they trying to sell you? Second W. Yeah, so I was going to say, if, it, if it's a double-digit return and it's guaranteed that they're saying it's either, uh, it's like you said, it's either fraud or the individual that's trying to sell it to you has no understanding what the actual product is. That's it, which exactly. Is, which is scary, yeah. too. That's right. All right, so we got the who, we got the what, uh, what's the, the where? 
The when. Or the when. And and the when is pretty straightforward. Is there a time sensitivity? Is there a time pressure? Get in now where you're going to miss this opportunity. Most advisors who have any kind of credibility, professional advisors, are not going to be rushing you into a process, especially you need to sign. You don't have time to double check with a lawyer. If there's a time pressure, be very wary. And next? Well, uh, the where is... uh, where is the advisor from? Uh, are you being called uh, on the phone? Uh, is this advi- advisor overseas? Uh, where is this advisor located? Can you go to an office? Is this a reputable person? Some basic due diligence can avoid hundreds of thousands of dollars of losses and equal amounts, sadly, of legal fees. Wow. Um, it's an area that I come across frequently um, are these mortgage pools. Uh, bridge loans for for construction companies to uh, commercial real estate developments, uh, offering high rates of return. Not 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 using the word guaranteed. Some even admitting that there are defaults, but they're able to recoup those defaults by stepping in. Uh, along comes a company called Fortress uh, Investments. Was it Jack? Uh, and that was basically was it a pyramid scheme, Jack? Fortress? It was, I don't know if it was a pyramid scheme, but they certainly uh, it was. Yeah, mortgages that people thought were secure that certainly weren't. So are you coming across a lot of cases in the mortgage market? Oh, mortgage market is enormous, uh, enormously rife with fraud. And the mortgage frauds are interesting because uh, for me professionally doing these files, uh, they often involve, uh, sad to say, complicit professionals, including mortgage brokers and lawyers. And so- A lot of lawyers, yes. Yeah, yeah, we see a lot of these. Um, I had one uh, a few years ago. The uh, individuals, they wrote about 36 uh, fraudulent mortgages, raised uh, tens of millions of dollars, and used it to build uh, a very lavish light, uh, nightclub out in Brampton. Uh, the whole thing went bust. Uh, the lawyer fled overseas. Uh, the funds for the victims were never recovered. David Milosevic, you're scaring me. You know something? Uh, fear sells. Uh, we've talked about that on the show on Hi-Fi Radio. You know, if you had good news, no one would want to talk to you, but you got bad news. And well, it is National Fraud Prevention Month. Uh, the fraudsters are out there, folks. We're here to protect your money. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein. Uh, more of this great show right after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio. Oh, God, me keeping these children at bay during the break. They just get out of control so far. Then it is National Fraud Prevention Month. I hate fraudsters. I hate scumbags. I hate slime. I despise it. I want to deal with good people, ethical people, people of um, high moral standing, those who give to charity, as opposed to those who steal from their friends and families and church groups. That's disgusting. Um, And, you know, you have all these wonderful words uh, in the the world of fraud, Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes, identity fraud. That guy's scary looking on this picture you got here. Um, And identity fraud is common. Let's let's talk about identity fraud. (sighs) Have you worked in any specific case on identity fraud? Uh, Because I've heard a few horror stories of people having their identity stolen and then having to basically get it cleaned up. Not so easy. And there's now services you can purchase to protect your identity. Should we buy such service? Uh, speak to that, please. 
Well, uh, it depends on the services. I think a lot of the services for uh, identity fraud prevention are really marketing plays. There's not much to them generally. Uh, what they do is they're convenient services. They save the person the uh, time of checking their own credit score, checking with their own banks to see whether there's been any problems. So to the extent that the person is really busy, doesn't have time, wants to pay someone uh, to do that service, fine. But it's really just a bit of a marketing service. Uh, it doesn't offer anything that a person can't do easily themselves. Mm -hmm. As to uh, identity fraud, uh, generally, um, identity fraud is basically a component of almost every fraud you see. So uh, I'm at the uh, Court of Appeal on a case tomorrow, $25 million fraud, and in this case, the fraudster uh, used fake names, aliases, fake company names, which you'll see commonly. They'll make a company name that sounds almost exactly like the company that you're making the payment to. So identity fraud, misrepresentation of who you're dealing with is a common something. element. Yeah. Isn't that something else? Um, what, what are the most common types of fraud cases? And by the way, David Milosevic uh, in studio, uh, if you are a victim of fraud, uh, it, hopefully the fraud is taking place as we speak, as opposed to have been completed, according to David. But certainly, uh, get a hold of you, David, on the internet, uh, Milosevic uh, Fisk. Uh, Fisk, yes. Fisk, yeah, LLP. That's right. Um, do you operate, in terms of payment, uh, pay as you go or, or pay if you win? Uh, at our firm, it's uh, generally we're commercial litigators. It's hourly billing. Although what happens often, I was just uh, approached yesterday on a fraud case, a big one again, uh, tens of millions at issue. And in cases like that, what we do is we'll take a retainer up front to work up the case to see that we can really get a recovery Of how here. much money? Depending on the file. Of course, uh, roughly. Uh, probably around on the case like this, maybe about $15,000. 15, okay. But there are 20 investors. They all chip in a few hundred dollars. It's not too big a deal. Okay, that, that's good to know. Yeah, when there are groups, it's so, a lot so easier. So it's basically you get, you get the group together who thinks they've been a victim of fraud, bring you all together pool some resources, contact uh, David Milosevic. And uh, what's your phone number, by the way? 416-916-1387. Uh, We're down at University in Adelaide, uh, downtown. How, how, many, how many open files are you working on? You know, how big is fraud? Are you, how, how naive is, am I? Uh, fraud is enormous, uh, and uh, there aren't, I mean, I guess fortunately for me, um, not fortunately for the clients, there aren't many lawyers who specialize in fraud. Um, so I get a lot of referrals. Most of my work comes from other lawyers who come across a fraud case. They need a fraud litigator. It comes to me. Um, it's huge. Uh, the frauds keep growing. Uh, the problem in Canada that we've had, I had a fraud case in 2012 that went to trial, two-month trial, and we did the civil trial. It worked out well. On the criminal side, uh, it went in front of the courts, and none of the Crown Council wanted to touch it. Too many documents. There were 100,000 pages of documents. So one crown kicked it to the next crown, kicked it to the next crown. Finally, one of the defense lawyers went to the judge and said, on constitutional grounds, 11B, which is delay, we need this thrown out of court. And the judge looked at it and he says, I hate to do this. This is a powerful case of fraud, tens of millions of dollars lost. I'm sorry. I'm throwing it out. And these guys walked out oh, the door. There my. are no teeth. There are no teeth. And so really people are left coming to me civilly, but then they're facing the cost of a civil proceeding. Oh, criminal versus civil. Yes. I see. Right. Because again, when I think of fraud, I think of the big stories, the Enrons, the uh, Bernie Madoff. The, the uh, Briaxes, salting, uh, salting the gold mine. Yeah. But, but let's talk about, the, if, we, if we get in the interest of time, smaller cases of fraud that can be a complete nuisance and, and, and almost dehumiliating. But, you know, 
worth pursuing? The question is, you know, what point is it worth? Where, where is it? You know, you know, I tell I tell all clients they'll explain the case to me, and I say, look, let's take a look at it quickly. Uh, put some resources together. Let's dig through the documents, and we can tell by digging through the documents for you know a few hours. Really, is there something here to pursue? So we answer that question. Great. Our next question is. Is there any money? Is there yeah, any recovery. potential What's recovery? recovery? Yeah. And then we have to bring emergency motions to the court to freeze things to get that money. Uh, are you busy, David? Swamped. You're swamped. Can, swamped. I, ask, can I ask what you bill for an hour? Uh, my billing is five twenty-five plus HST. Plus HST, eh? You don't my, do we we do hey, a lot of the work I, is done by my juniors can, at a much lower can, rate. Can I, can, I, can I do a cash deal for you? Oh, excuse me. That'd be <laughs> we, we can make a deal. <laughs> we can make a deal, you and I. Uh, David Milosevic, uh, partner with Milosevic Fisk, uh, a fraud lawyer specializing in fraud. I hate fraudsters. They need to be dealt with. Um, and you know how you hurt them the most? With their pocketbook. Uh, so please contact, if, if you're a victim of fraud, uh, contact David Milosevic. Uh, Jack and I will be having another lawyer on uh, Hi-Fi Radio in two weeks, uh, as it is National Fraud Prevention Month. But I don't want any of you, my friends out there, to be victims of fraud. Uh, common sense, Eyes wide open. Ask an extra question or two. I think what David uh, is referring to, uh, the five W's. Go through the five W's. Five W's. Who is it who's offering it to you? What are they offering to you? Great returns or not? When? Is there some time pressure? Uh, Where? Are these people overseas? What's going on? Why? What's the purpose of this investment? Do you understand it? Just common sense. Common well, sense. it's common sense, but again, you not know. Not so common sometimes. It's not so common. Uh, Hi-Fi Radio, show about money, uh, global news radio, 640 in Toronto. I am Wolfgang Klein, a delight to bring this show to you each and every week. And Jack, please stop squeezing the bottles on air. <laughs> you have yourself a great weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.